Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Hey, what's up, church? Happy Sunday. Hope this message finds you well. I don't know if you're watching this in your living room or if you're watching it in your kitchen, if you're watching it with friends or with your family or just watching it with your dog. I don't know uh, if you're watching this in your PJs or in your regular clothes, but no matter where you are, no matter where you're at, uh, I believe that this message is being brought to you by the Holy Spirit today really to encourage you. Uh, My hope has been that this message would really kind of change the trajectory that would cut a new arc in your story and how you pray. Um, We're going to be reading a prayer from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. So we're continuing in our study through Ephesians chapter 1. The second half of chapter 1 is just this prayer that Paul has towards the church in Ephesus. And I think it doesn't give us so much of like why we pray. I don't know that it gives us so much of the motives to pray, but it really can impact how we pray. And if I could kind of subtitle this message, it would be the power that's in prayer. There's power in prayer and there's ways to pray that are that are more powerful than other ways. And we're going to see that today. I think it's going to come out of the text plainly today. Martin Lloyd-Jones, former minister of the Westminster Chapel in London, says, your understanding of the truth that's in this portion of scripture, to the extent at which you understand this, will be the extent at which you're able to change your life. And so it's just this, there's powerful truth in this scripture. And it all kind of comes down to how we pray and what we're praying for when we're praying. So um, I can't wait to get into you. I'm going to pray before we dive in, and then uh, we'll just we'll just go right through the text. So pray with me wherever you're at, uh, whoever you're with. Just kind of close your eyes, focus on Jesus for a sec, and we're just going to say, God, I just ask that you would come into this moment, that you would invade uh, any space that we find ourselves in right now, God. Uh, your truth isn't isn't just limited to where it's taught in a building, God. Your truth, your spirit moves and it goes wherever we are, Jesus. And so we just as a people, as a church, we just set our face upon you, fix our gaze upon you, and ask that you would come into this moment with us right now and that you would open up our hearts, that you would change what we're seeing, maybe change the the truth that we're taking in and and replace it with a greater truth, God. Replace it with uh, just who you are and let that inform the rest of what we do today, God. Uh, We love you and we're focused on you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, I don't know about you, I've had different seasons in my life where I have felt like I'm not praying enough. And actually, the more I talk to like any Christian, the more you talk to anyone in a church circle, I think everyone has gone through a point in their life where they feel like, like, I just don't pray enough. We've all kind of felt that way. Like, okay, I just, I I don't have a lot of motivation for prayer. My prayer life feels dry. You know, I kind of, maybe I just pray on my way to work in the car, or I just pray uh, at this time or at that time, but I don't get a lot out of it. And it's maybe a lot more habitual than it is like this conversational relationship that I hear about because I think in church we talk about prayer and we know that it's our it's time to have a conversation with God. It's time to hear his voice and we probably even know that it's actually deeper than that. It's a time for us to experience him, for us to encounter him, for us to hear from God what his plans are for us and where we're off in our heart and things that need to change. And so prayer, we just we know in our head it's this deep rich time of experiencing God and talking with him and communicating with him. And yet, myself, I know like anyone I talk to, there are times where we just go, man, I'm just not praying that much. Like I'm not praying that much that often. I don't know if this message today will be the moment where you go, okay, today on that, this was the day, Mother's Day 2020 during the pandemic where I changed the way I pray. Maybe it will, and I hope that it is. Uh, Really what I hope that, that what's gonna come out of this text today is how we pray, 
matters. How we pray matters deeply. There are ways to pray and there are ways to pray and be thankful and express gratitude and say sorry and all those things are good, but there is a way to pray that Paul's gonna show us today that's greater. And, and actually, if we can pray in this way, it's gonna inform all of those different things. I've heard it said before that, that prayer is kind of the, it, it holds the structure of what we put on pillars in our faith. Like if you say, man, what's important in faith? Like discipleship and worship and, and relationships and all these things are so important. You can put all these different pillars, however many you want. Uh, I've heard it said that prayer is what supports, it's the foundation that all of that sits on. And so I just want to kind of, before we even really get into the text today, just kind of tease you into this thought a little bit that how you pray matters deeply. It matters deeply. And so let's jump right in to see, because this is great. Like, it's not often that you have one of the apostles, the way they're praying for believers is captured in scripture. And that's what we have before us today. It's not just, it's not just me praying for you. It's not just like any per person praying for you right now. This is like, this is captured in the inerrant word of God, a prayer towards the saints, toward the, towards the believers in Ephesus. And so let's, let's jump right in. Paul says, for this reason. For what reason? Well, it's all of last week's sermon. All of last week, because Christ has given you, he's entrusted you with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. We talked about last week how, man, it, like spiritual blessings they, they, they are better than, they are superior than physical blessings because physical blessings, they're temporary, they're fading, they can go away, they're fragile, they can be taken away from us at any moment. Spiritual blessings are permanent. Spiritual blessings last forever. They're unfading, they're unchanging. And so we talked about the spiritual blessing of adoption and redemption, that God has redeemed you, that he's had a plan for you, that he, he had a destiny that he predetermined ahead of time before you ever did anything for him, before you did anything, anything against him. He chose you and he loves you and he calls you his son. He calls you his daughter. And for that reason, because all of that is true, Paul prays for us. Because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Let me just stop right there because I think this idea of praying without ceasing, you see this in Thessalonians and Romans, like to have this, to, to pray constantly, to pray without ceasing, without stopping. I'm always praying and sometimes that language would be really discouraging to me. Like I'm, I have kind of some type A tendencies, maybe you do too, where you go, man, if I'm not praying all the time, I might as well be praying none of the time because scripture calls me to pray all the time, right? And so you, you kind of realize, well, that's, that's unattainable and I'm going to fall short. So then it helps, it keeps you, it, it, it inhibits you from even trying, right? But, but the idea here is that um, it's not constant as in like constant, explicit thought or spoken prayer, what it is, it's, this, it's a steady habit or it's I'm disciplined in. It's the opposite of being scattered or um, random in your prayer. It's being diligent, persistent. I have this continual pattern of prayer that Paul has for the church. Now, now this next part is where it gets pretty important. That he says, I'm remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Now, this is kind of weird, right? Because if you think about it, he's asking that the church in Ephesus would receive a revelation of who Jesus is. This is a prayer that's going towards saved people, people who already know Jesus, and he's asking they would have wisdom and revelation of him. He goes on to say, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. And it's like, it's kind of weird at first because it's like, shouldn't we already have this? Shouldn't our eyes already be open to, to the truth of who God is? 
And, and what Paul's hitting on here is that there is deeper, there's a deeper revelation that we need to have. There's more that we need to grasp about who God is. There's a greater, we need to have the eyes of our heart enlightened. I love this, this picture that he uses here where he says the heart's kind of this, this epicenter of emotion and feeling. And so he's really backing the theme that we've set forward for this study all along, that it's not just about accumulating more knowledge of who God is. It's about attaining a spirit of wisdom Knowledge and wisdom are different. You've probably heard this before. Knowledge would just be the accumulation of facts, makes us really smart, makes us feel really good. Wisdom is the ability to take that knowledge, take those facts, and then have the understanding and the discernment to apply them properly in our lives. So Paul's saying, man, I pray that this would incite something in you, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that your emotions, your love for me would be incited and, and awoken to this fact that God is who he is. And so he's praying that there would be deeper revelation, deeper understanding. Your most important prayer is, is not the things that you need. Your most important prayer is a, a greater revelation of who God is. That's just so important to know because like we can come for, we can come to God and we can ask for all sorts of things. I'm not saying you shouldn't ask for all sorts of things from God or give him thanks, give him worship, give him uh, your, your sorrows for making mistakes. But if you come to God and you ask for a greater revelation of who he is, that will that will inform and that will that will uh, build up all of those other things. So if I if I have a greater understanding of who God is, I will value Him more. I will worship Him more. I will try and aim and orient my life. I will be empowered. If I have a greater understanding of who He is, I will be empowered to behave more like Him. So the asking and and begging. I hope this even kind of changes some framework for how you pray. I pray for my kids consistently. I, I don't pray like God. Would you just help them behave? <laughs> Sometimes I think that's just the temptation of a parent. Like God. My kid, they are off base right now. Help them behave, help them be obedient. But ultimately, like, I just, I don't, I don't just want their obedience. Like I'm praying for my kids constantly. God, would you just open their heart to know you? Like, would they have a relationship with you? Would you just incite something in them? And as we pray for ourselves and as we pray for one another, I think it's important that we understand we don't just come and say, God, we need this. I need this behavior. I need this corrected. I need this thing. But we go, God, would, would you just help me understand more clearly who you are? Are. Give me a greater revelation, a greater picture of who you actually are. So Paul, Paul sets the prayer up that way, that we got to pray and we got to ask for a greater understanding of who Jesus is. And then he goes into three different things. He asks for three specific things that the Ephesian church would see as they're praying. He says that you would know the hope to which he has called you. And he's, the first two are very similar, the, that you would know the hope to which he has called you. And what are the riches of his, of his glorious inheritance in the saints? So let me kind of break down those first two and then we'll land on the third one a little more heavy. The hope to which he has called you, or you could more literally say the hope in your calling. So here's, here's what's awesome. Last week we talked about how faith right now in this world is faith having faith in tension. It's not understanding everything about God. It's not choosing to understand nothing about God. It's somewhere in between understanding things and not understanding things. There's tension. This creates maybe some difficulty. We have to trust uh, through this kind of persevering, through suffering. We got to trust that God is there and that he is good. But the hope in our calling, what that speaks to is the, the, the reality that in heaven, there will be no tension. We will get to finally see and embrace and understand who God is fully, holy, and perfectly. So like we sang that song, Waymaker, this morning. And I, I love just that um, it's not that God just made a way out of this situation. It's not a way that God made a way for me just to get to heaven. God made a way for me to be with him. 
I get to experience him. I get to sit with him. I get to live with him eternally forever. So for now, in, in our life, in our human walk right now, we have to walk in this area where we understand spiritual blessings in part now, waiting to understand them perfectly later. Like, so this is so cool because we understand in part, like we talked about all last week, there's tension right now. Like God may call me his son, but, and I can embrace that identity. I can see that reality, but I don't get to walk in it fully until I get to heaven. And from there, it's just going to be unhindered. There's going to be no, nothing in my way. And so faith is intention right now, but it, we look, we look for the hope in our calling is faith in perfection. We get to see him. There's no more suffering, no more pain. We get to be with him, experience him fully, wholly, perfectly. And then he says, the second thing, I hope that you would see what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, the way this is worded, you, you can conclude it one of two different ways. And theologians have kind of argued about which way it goes. That you could, you could conclude that we are God's inheritance as the saints. So God is longing to inherit us one day perfectly in eternity for forever. And, and you could conclude that because that's a biggical theme that shows up. Read Psalm 8. Psalm 8's all about you and me. We are the pinnacle of his creation. We are his most prized possession. He loves us. He adores us. And so it does make sense to call, um, to call us his inheritance. That, that doesn't go counter to the biblical narrative. But the other way that you can read this is that um, God is storing up and protecting a perfect inheritance for us one day. And that's where I tend to lean because this word inheritance, Paul uses it several times. And every time he uses it, he uses it as something that God, not that God will inherit one day, but that we will inherit in him. And so God, you, you've heard this. If you've hung out in Christian circles long enough, you've kind of heard this idea of laying up for yourself treasures in heaven, right? And it's this idea that comes from Matthew chapter six, where um, Jesus talks about, hey, don't store up for yourself treasure here on earth. Don't put all of your effort into things that are temporary here. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven where, where there's no moth, there's no rust, like nothing is destroyed, nothing's decaying. That's where you should be setting your treasure up. And he says, don't, don't give in a way, or don't be generous in a way that calls all the attention to yourself right now, because that'll be your reward. If you, if you are generous and you want everyone to see it, your reward will be everyone seeing it and you'll, you'll get some recognition for that. But he says, give in a way, give in secret, because then it's going to be only your father who sees it and he will reward you. And so there's this idea and there's this concept that we've heard before where you can stay, you can store up treasures in heaven. And here's where like our, our inheritance becomes something that's really awesome to unpack is that in heaven, in eternity, like physical blessings and spiritual blessings will last for forever. So, so we talked about just when we set up last week, how um, physical blessings right now, they are temporary, they're fading, like your health is fading. You might not get coronavirus right now, but like that does not mean your body's getting younger in this season, right? Like that does not mean that you're not stressed out. That doesn't mean you're not worried. Like if you need something, if you're given a gift, that gift is just like we said last week, it's just that of a future landfill one day. All the gifts, everything that you receive right now, it's all decaying, it's all going away. Treasures in heaven, they will be stored up for us and they're perfectly protected. And so like um, your health is going to be perfect for all of eternity. Praise the Lord, right? There, there will be no novel viruses in heaven. Praise the Lord. Like, thank goodness. That just won't be a part of what heaven is about. There will be no sickness. There will be no pain. Uh, and, and there will be crowns. There will be gifts that are given from God for the things we did while we were here on this earth. And, and you know, you have this picture in Revelation 5, because I just want to remind us, even as we think about, okay, I have this inheritance waiting for me in heaven. What is that inheritance? 
man, it's blessings for sure. It's physical and spiritual blessings that we get to experience in heaven. But but you have this picture in Revelation 5, and we've sing about it sometimes. You hear it come up in song, this picture of the elders taking their crowns off and casting them at the feet of Jesus. And so just we can't be confused that while we focus on laying up treasure for in heaven, like our inheritance, what we're really striving for and longing for is that we, we get to be with him. That's what heaven's all about. It, like you just see this picture in Revelation 5 where even though they've been given these beautiful golden crowns, they just mean nothing to them in comparison to their worship and their adoration for King Jesus on his throne. And so that, that's just this awesome thing that heaven, even though we have this inheritance coming that will be physical and it will benefit us and it'll be great for us, it's not about us. It's about him. It's what we get to see and, and have in him. And so that's the first two things that Paul goes through. He's asking that the Ephesian church would have their, their, their soul, their spirit, their mind, their heart awakened to who Jesus is. And he goes first, he fixes their eyes on eternity. And he says, you got to know what the hope is you're calling, that you're going to heaven one day and everything's going to be perfect there. There won't be any more faith and tension like you're going and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be perfect. And he's saying there's an inheritance waiting for you and that inheritance is going to be marvelous. But then he flips it on, on the third thing that he's asking for. He says, I'm also just asking Ephesian church, I'm asking you, Good Shepherd Church, I'm praying for us today that we would see what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. He, he's just saying, I love it. If you notice, Paul doesn't ask that we as a church would be more powerful. You, you got to catch this. He asks that we would be that we would walk in a greater understanding of the power that's already available to us. Hello, yes, you in your living room, on your couch, like I'm talking to you. There, you, we get in this in this rut. We get in this rhythm of asking God, praying to God in a way that says, God, would you just give me enough to get through today? Would you just, just like Mother's Day? Like I'm thinking of you guys today. You're praying some days, man. Just give me enough till Dad gets home. Just get me through this day. Just get me through this season in my life. God, would you just give me enough strength to do this? And you just you got to understand when we pray that way, we are limiting our understanding of the power that Christ has made available to us through his death, burial, and resurrection. The, what Paul says here, what he says in Romans is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in, is available to you and me. And so we got to quit coming in prayer and going, God, would you give me just enough? We don't serve the God of just enough. We serve the God of more than enough. We don't, we, we don't serve the God who puts just enough in our cup so that we might be sustained through a day. He wants our cup to run over. We don't serve the God who wants us to just get through life. He, we serve a God who wants to give us life more abundantly. That's who we serve. And so we can't come to him. It's like we're coming to him with this little Dixie cup and we're coming to the well in the morning. We're saying, oh God, would you, this, this, this amount of water, this amount of life should be enough for me today. And we're filling that up. And, and Jesus is just going, the well belongs to you. This, it's available to you, all of it. This immeasurable greatness of my power is available to you. It resides in you. Oh, church, that we would understand that, that there is a power that we can walk in 
that God's, God does not want to give us just enough to get through the day. He wants to give us enough that, so that we may, we may be transformed to look like him, that we would have worship and adoration towards him. He wants to give us so much of himself that we would, that we would have that light shine through us to the community around us, that we wouldn't just barely get by with our problems, that we would, that we would be above them, that we would go beyond them, that we wouldn't be limited to what our circumstances are right around us, but that we would transcend what's happening in culture and that we would be above what's happening in the world around us, that we wouldn't look like this world, but we'd be transformed with God's glory into this world. And I love, I love this truth. And we could stop right here and we could shut the thing down and we could go home because it's awesome. That, that the God of the universe wants to open you up, open your heart up to, to who he is, to the calling that he has in your life, to the inheritance that he's preserving for you. And he wants to show you the immeasurable power that's available to you right now. But Paul doesn't stop there. Paul doesn't stop there. He ends, he ends by focusing his eyes on who Jesus is, where he's seated, and what that implication is for you and me. So let's read it. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? Verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Hey, this, this isn't a matter of location. Paul isn't telling us just where Jesus is, that he's far above. He's up in heaven. He's in space somewhere, sitting on a throne. He's making a statement of Christ's authority. He's saying he's been seated in this place of prominence. He's been seated in this place of power at the right hand of God. He's one with God and all things are subject to him. Does that just like, does that just comfort your soul this morning? That there's nothing in this universe, not one stray molecule that isn't subject to his kingly rule. King Jesus is sitting on his throne right now, ruling and reigning over coronavirus, over the world, over the economy, over your job, over your house, over school. He is in charge of all of it. Let that settle you this morning. That Jesus has got it. He's not surprised by any of this. He's sitting on his throne. He's in charge of it all. And then he flips it. He flips it to a focus on us. And, and it was peculiar to me and kind of a head scratcher to me at first. He says, and he put all things under his feet. God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body. And so like, I understand this part. He's saying that, man, and God is, Jesus is the head of the church. He is the head. We are the hands. We are the feet. We are out. We are, our connection to him is vital. We have to stay in touch with him. We get to go and do, and, and we follow and will move as Jesus leads. That part makes sense to me. But then this last line, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And I wrestled with that and I had to do some research and I'm like, what? That sentence doesn't feel like it makes sense to me. I don't understand. And here, here's how we understand it. You have to know that Jesus, King Jesus on his throne is on a mission to fill everything with his kingly rule, with his authority and with his glory. So that's what he is doing right now. He's sitting, ruling, reigning on his throne, seeing that all things are subject to him. And he's longing to put all things under his rule, his authority, so that it would operate and look like and, and move in a way that he calls it to move and that it would all be a, be a mouthpiece, an instrument for his glory. So he's longing to fill every space in the universe, every person, every knit, nook and cranny here on earth. He's filling it that way. And what he's saying in this verse, what Paul is saying is, it's the church 
who carries the fullness of God and takes it to fill the earth with Christ. So, so God has commissioned us to walk with God in the fullest possible way so that we might fill every, every crevice, every piece of this earth with him. And we would see things that go against his rule and his reign and his authority. And we long to bring those things back into right relationship with him. That everything would know the preeminence and, and the beauty and the awe and the wonder that is in Christ Jesus. And I just, we have to embrace and receive that this is probably the greatest privilege that's ever been given in the history of mankind. That although I do not even deserve to belong to his kingdom, he calls me an ambassador for him. He calls me to carry his light. Even though I have walked, I have chosen darkness time and time again. I've walked in a way that doesn't reflect him. And yet he's chosen me to be a carrier of his light into this world. And so you just got to receive this morning that what Paul bookends this prayer with is that we would know that we have, we've been given these things, that we need to have our, the eyes of our heart open. We need to walk in this power because we're not just like God's plan for you is not just to live and to be comfortable and to make a little money and then to hopefully retire one day. He's made you for so much more than that. He's given you the privilege, the honor of carrying him, carrying his nation, an ambassador. We get to, we get to just like carry our nation's values. Like you don't belong to this earth. You, my, this is not my ultimate destination. I'm an ambassador for heaven. I get to carry heaven with me where I go. And so I'm going to come and I'm going to reflect the king's values, my king's values, not not, I'm not going to just be given to culture and what's happening around me. I get to carry what he's given me. And that is a privilege. And I hope that we would just embrace that calling as a church. What would it look like if we had a church that was filled with people who had encountered God and they carried his glory, carried his fame, carried his goodness, his kindness, his love, his mercy, his justice into the world that we walked in that is missing all those things. What a, what a time right now where there's just this chaos and there's uncertainty and people are afraid and, and people are frustrated, right? There's, there's news and there's things that are being sold as truth and then we find out they're not true and then there's conspiracy theories and then there's, there's charts that are all seeming to just trend upward right now and it's all just chaos. But what would it look like if all the people who are so filled with chaos and fear right now, what if they just encountered people who had encountered Jesus and had their lives transformed and then we get to just be an instrument, a mouthpiece for his glory to go out and to fill every piece of this earth. That's what Paul's prayer is. But you gotta remember that we don't get there without steady and consistent prayer for one another. Like we, we gotta just pray this over one another. We gotta honestly and earnestly seek the Lord and ask that he would just open us up so that we may see him deeper. You already know him. My guess is if you're watching this, you're already a Christian. If you've stuck around this long, you, you know who Jesus is. You've been transformed. There's a deeper revelation available for you for you today, in his word, in worship, there, there are ways that you can see him more deeply, that you can have a greater understanding of who he is. We need to pray and ask and contend that we would see it, that our church family would see it, that the next generation would see it, that we'd be awakened to this ultimate truth that God is who he is. He's done what he said he's done. There's more to him to understand and to explore. And so I just wanna encourage you this week, um, I think we have to pray. We have to spend some time in prayer. And so I'm, I'm asking every single person, if you're watching this, would you just spend more time in prayer this week than you normally do? So you're like, Austin, I don't, I don't pray at all. Man, okay, pray for like five minutes a day. 
give me five minutes a day. Austin, I only got like five minutes a day, okay? You're like, my kids, I'm at home with my kids, it's crazy. Listen, put your kids in front of a movie, lock yourself in a closet and pray. Your, your kids will be okay, your house will be okay. It might have coloring on the walls like my house is what happens when I come down. But that time spent in prayer is more valuable than I may ever really understand. Uh, we have to, and when you're praying, I want you just to write this down. I want you to write these three things down. I want you to post it, put it somewhere where you're seeing it frequently. So maybe it's on the mirror, maybe it's on your refrigerator. Lord knows if you put something on my refrigerator, I'm gonna see that thing like 17 times in a day, right? Like I'm gonna see that, I'm gonna be reminded. I want you just to write, God, help me see the hope in my calling. Help me see the hope in my calling. And then write, God, help me see the inheritance you have for me. Help me just to be reminded of the inheritance that you have for me. And then right on that third line, the immeasurable greatness of power available to me right now. Right now. I, I, I'm not saying God doesn't hear, or God's not interested in your prayers where you say, God, give me just enough for right now because that's a real prayer. Those are needed. Those are felt at times. I'm just saying there's a greater way to pray. There's a more powerful way to pray where we say, God, would you just open me up so that I might see you more clearly and that would you help me understand that there's an immeasurable greatness of power available to me right now. I don't need just enough. I could have all of it right now. And so write those down, post them somewhere. Um, and I just want you, I, as a church, every single one of us, I want us to pray that God would just open us up this week. Just that we would see it, that we'd spend time in prayer. If you pray for an hour a day, pray for an hour and a half a day. Pray, Just pray more, lean in more. There's more. We could never experience all of who God is this side of heaven, but we should try. We should try. We should get alone. We should seek for it. We should, we should ask. We should petition. We should contend and just beg God that he would, that he would show himself to us, to our church, to our children, to the next generation, to people who don't know him yet, just all over. And so we're gonna invite Jesus to, to reveal himself to us. Jesus, um, thank you so much for your, your immeasurable power towards us, your, your unexplainable love for us, Jesus. And I just ask that as a church community, as a, as a body of believers gathered around our city, around our state, wherever we are, wherever we're receiving this, Lord, we should ask for a greater understanding of who you are. Ask that you would speak to us, ask that you would inform us, that you would invoke something deeper in us, a deeper desire. Lord, we love you and I pray that you would just be with us all. Be with the moms today, be with the moms who are sad, be with the moms who are happy, the ones who have lost children, the ones who can't have children, God. It's just such a fragile day for so many people, but we pray that we would celebrate and love on our moms well that you'd be near to those who are brokenhearted. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you just to, we'll be continuing on in Ephesians next week. And so uh, we'll be starting in chapter two, reading through the first 10 verses there. So I encourage you just with your family, with your friends, spend some time reading that over this week. Spend some time in prayer. I love you, and I hope that we get to see you soon. Music